It's, it's a privilege for me to share today. Uh, Antley, thank you for just the opportunity. And you and Alan have been so kind to us. Alan, actually, last year, he saw our Ohio plates and welcomed us as fellow Midwesterners, um, as he had just had moved here. So um, everyone's been so kind. And also to the folks that um, have welcomed us here, your hospitality, your generosity has been so kind. Uh, you, I still remember earlier this Earlier this year, in January, folks invited us over to celebrate our son's birthday, and you guys have no idea that we were just talking about, what are we going to do? We don't know anyone. How are we going to celebrate this little six-year-old? He was our first kind of birthday here, and so you, you, just thank you guys. We're, we're so grateful for, for what you've done. And then, before I get started, if I fall, <laughs> you can laugh, but then two, if you're in the front row, just help me out. And, and now there's fire, and I, I didn't anticipate fire, there's a fire extinguisher over there, so please, there, we can come up with a game plan. Uh, so we, we as we, we've, we've been talking, we moved here from Ohio, we're trying to figure out the new rhythms, the new patterns of our life here for the, for the holidays, so this past Thanksgiving, we stayed put, uh, this was the first time dear friends had us over to their house for Thanksgiving, we're thankful, but we didn't know what to do on that Friday. Um, it was the first time we had been home in a long time, and we're like, what, what do we do? So we watched a Christmas movie. I don't know if you guys, the rule in my house, you can listen to Christmas music until after Thanksgiving, and then Christmas movies until after Thanksgiving as well. So we, we started watching those. Uh, we have little ones again, and so we decided to watch Elf. Uh, I don't know if anyone has seen Elf, uh, but we have an eight- and six-year-old, and so they, we were watching that with them. And to, to give you the Cliff Notes version for those who don't have kids or haven't seen this yet, we have Buddy the Elf. He's not an elf. He's a human adopted by the North Pole elves. He doesn't realize that he's a human. And then once he finally figures that out, he decides to go to New York to find his biological father. So he's on this journey, and he's, you could say, pretty joyful. Uh, he's a pretty happy individual, so much so that it actually drives everyone else around him completely crazy. Um, and, and we do have a quick clip to kind of show that and be better for me to be quiet. Okay. <gasps> wow. What's this? This is the North Pole. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Where's the snow? Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. It's time for the announcement. Okay. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Yes. Can you sign this for me? Oh, hi. Santa's coming. <laughs> so, this morning we're going to continue our adventure series. We've been looking at what it's like to be able to live in the here and the now between the first advent and, and the second advent, basically between the time that Jesus came when he was born in, as a baby and then, two, when he's going to be coming again. So we've been looking at how do we have adventure and hope, how to have adventure and peace. We're going to be looking at today of how to have adventure and joy. And really one of the things that I wanted to just kind of talk through is how can we have 
this joy when we wait, uh, when we're waiting during and we are experiencing the life every day. So we have pain, suffering, sadness. How, how can we be joyful in, in, in all of this? And so really what I want to do today is look at one, first, what does joy mean? Second, to look at the obstacles of joy. And then, and then three, just kind of how can we kind of overcome, kind of explore ways to be able to continue to, to have more joy. And joy is one of the main currents throughout the Bible. So you see in the Old Testament, the, the first half, you see there's 27 different words, Hebrew words, that describe joy. So joy is pretty important to the people of Israel. In the, news, in the New Testament, in the second part, you have joy talked about 326 times. So that is basically more than the word of love, more the word of faith, more the word of grace. So joy is something that continues to talk through the, the Bible. And I'm sorry if I'm doing that. Okay. Um, so joy surrounds Jesus, his life. At his birth, we reread earlier to, today. So the angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you that you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then even at the end of Jesus' life, we, we, see, we see more joy. So basically, once Jesus goes back to heaven, we read in Luke 24, 52 through 30, 53, Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So they continued, this joy continued on through, throughout. So what does joy even mean? Is it, is it simply a happy feeling? Is it just simply this, this fuzziness that's inside? Or is there more? Is it more than just a happy mood? Because sometimes happiness, fuzzy feelings, giddiness, that, that all can kind of fade away once we start experiencing these difficult circumstances in life. I want us to think of joy as something that's buoyant. So, so, so as a basic, and I'm not a, I'm not a fisherman, boatman. I, you can tell I'm from Ohio, um, so I haven't been around water that much. But there's, the ship has a ballast that, that keeps the ship afloat so it doesn't tip over in the water. There's also, think of a, a, a buoy in the, in the ocean during the storm, how the, the buoy stays afloat. I, I, we did have pools in Ohio, and so we, when, and during the summer, we would basically, I, I have three younger brothers, we'd push a basketball like down to the ground, like as far as we could go, we'd step on it, and then what happens as soon as you let go? The, the ball pops right back up, that's right. So, so that's what I want us to think about when we talk about joy. Joy is defiant even in difficult circumstances, even when it's being stuck underwater. Uh, joy is a choice to trust that God loves us and that he will fulfill his promises, that God will do what he says he will do. The section of the Bible that we're going to be looking at today is from John's biography of Jesus' life. It's going to be John 16, 16 through 24. John was one of Jesus' closest friends. He, he actually talks about himself as being the disciple that Jesus loved most. I, I like that because I think you can do that if you're the author. You can be like, yeah, Jesus loved me most. Um, so, so, um, but, but really this, this biography, this narrative is John's eyewitness account of his life with Jesus. So, so let me set the stage before we dive in. It's going to be up on the screen, but I'm, I'm going to just share a little bit more. So he's talking to his closest friends, his disciples. They had just finished their Passover meal which is also was their last supper. So they had their last supper was celebrating Israel's freedom from Egypt, from their captivity in Egypt. 
And so Jesus was walking with his disciples. He was walking to them from the, from the room to the Garden of Gethsemane. That, that Garden of Gethsemane is where Jesus gets betrayed by one closest to him, gets turned over to the religious rulers, to the Romans, and, and then sentenced to death. So, so Jesus wants to give those around him a heads up like of, of what's about to happen. So this is where we, we, we pick up. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me, no more. And then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of the disciples said to one another, and I, I love this too, just that those closest to him had no idea what Jesus was talking about, so I, I think it gives me hope that sometimes I don't get it either. What does he mean when he's saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I'm going to the Father? And they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what it meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me for anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Your joy will be complete. So we see throughout the first part of this passage, this phrase, a little while. We actually see it four times, and John, the author, so brilliantly kind of recalls the, the reader to the four previous times that Jesus had said this. I was going to read those, but we'll, 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 we'll move on. So, so really, what is, let's just talk about what Jesus is talking about. Well, in the immediate context, he's talking very clearly that he's going to die, they won't see him. I'll be raised again, and then they'll see him. So that's, that's obviously the, the first piece. There are also two other plausible explanations for this. So commentators have written that the, the, second, the second explanation says that the little while will be the time between Jesus heading back to heaven, his ascension, and then the time that the Holy Spirit is given. So that's a period of 10 days that happened. And so basically what Jesus is saying, in a little while you won't see me, but then, then in a little while, I will come to you by the Holy Spirit. That's the second possible explanation. The third that has a long tradition of history in the church, Augustine, the, 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 the church father, in the, back in the 5th century said that this little while is between the ascension of Jesus and his second coming. So this is, this is what we're talking about now, this, this time between the advents. So basically the time, again, when Jesus came and when he's going to be coming back. So no matter how you read this, a little while... You, and we all know that life requires waiting. Uh, we're, we're waiting's con- constantly in the Bible as well. So you have Abraham waiting 25 years from the promise that he's going to have a son. So he's 75, and then he has a son at 100. You have Moses in the in the in the wilderness in, as basically being a shepherd for 40 years before he leads the people of Israel out of Egypt. And the people of Israel had been in Egypt for over 200 years. So 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 waiting. And, and then later on we see. Seventy years, the people of Israel go to Babylon in captivity and then are finally allowed after 70 years to go back to their homeland. So I, I don't know about you, but I don't like waiting, uh, not, not even a little bit. So my in-laws are from Pennsylvania, 
They sh- buy and ship us Christmas presents, which I'm so grateful for. My, on my list was a couple pairs of jeans. Did I wait for Christmas? No. I, I have them on right now. <laughs> so um, so I, I, don't, I don't like to wait. And I, and I know that there's, there's in, in a room this large, you're waiting for something. I, I don't know what it could be, but maybe you're waiting for the right job to open up. Maybe you're wa- waiting for the one. Maybe you're waiting to be married to the one. Maybe you're waiting for a child. Maybe you're waiting for healing. Whatever it is, we, we, life is waiting. And I, I want to ask, is it possible to experience joy in the waiting? So Antley mentioned we, we, we feel called to, to move to Jacksonville to plant a church. Since you've met just me now, uh, I, I wanted to give you a, a backstory. It's been 10 years uh, in the waiting. Uh, we, 10 years ago, our small group leader, our, it would be our city group leader, asked us for dinner. said, hey, I feel like God's telling you to go plant a church. And we're like, no, thank you. Um, and, and so over these past 10 years, the, the, the real abbreviated story is that we visited numerous cities. We've had failed job applications. We've had failed job interviews. We've visited a countless amount of cities. Really, all we wanted to do was move to a city that we felt we could love. And, and we even sold our house, not knowing where we were going to move. We moved in with my parents. Every, every mid-30-year-old with three kids dream live in their basement. Uh, and and uh, so, so there, there's waiting. Um, and, and thankfully, God showed us the city. Uh, and, and so we're excited. We don't know how long it's going to be or what the next steps are. Again, it's been 10 years uh, up to this point. So we, we are, we're, we're good. Uh, however, whatever, whatever God wants. And, and really, when we moved down here, I was able to find a job. My wife is going to school, as Antley mentioned. I said, we can live, you can go to school, we can love our neighbors and, and really see what, what God has for us from here. So, so that's really what we've been doing. And so during this waiting, I, I, I found some ways, some really these, these practices of gratitude that helped keep my joy buoyant during the, the waiting period. And so I, I wanted to share a couple of those with you here this morning. Uh, first, before we get started, uh, the, the famous Quaker, William Penn, he, he said hundreds of years ago this, the secret of happiness is to count your blessings while others are adding up their troubles. Uh, Brene Brown, an author, a researcher, and someone who has the fourth most watched TED Talk ever, uh, she did an extensive research between the, the correlation between joy and gratitude. So she went into this research and after 12 years of research, 11,000 pieces of data, she found that the correlation between joy and gratitude is there. And so she went in there thinking that, hey, if you're joyful, you're going to be grateful. But it actually was the opposite. People that practiced, actively practiced gratitude were the ones that had joy. And, and so this, this, these practices of gratitude were journaling, journaling, basically sitting around the dinner table and saying, what's the one thing you're thankful for today? Those simple exercises increase people's joy. There's another, there's another, um, excuse me, there's there's another uh, researcher in the field of gratitude. His name is Robert Emmons. He's from the University of California, Davis. He has a book that says, thanks, how the new science of gratitude can make you happier. This is what he writes. First, the practice of gratitude can increase happiness levels by about 25%. Second, this is not hard to achieve. A few hours of writing a gratitude journal over three weeks can create an effect that lasts six months, if not more. 
Cultivating gratitude brings other health effects, such as longer and better quality sleep time. I don't know if you've seen um, around town, there's these gratitude journals popping up at some local shops. Um, they, there's, there's some at Bold Bean, there's some at um, Southern Roots. I took a quick picture um, when I was at Southern Roots this week about this as we're talking about journaling and, and practicing gratitude. So it, it, this is what it says. It says, today I'm grateful for. This journal was created to change the way we think about health and happiness. I invite you to take a deep breath, write down something you're grateful for, and watch how the power of gratitude can transform your day and your life. So in addition to journaling, one of the things that I found helpful was a reflective prayer that includes basically just refueling your day with gratitude. It's, it's not long and drawn out, and a lot of times it just includes, God, thank you for your presence. Thank you that you love me. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for this weather. I'm walking outside in December. Again, Columbus, it's high of 40 with rain. It's terrible. Like, terrible. Thank you, God, that you brought me to Jacksonville. And, and, and even walking the other day, I was walking up from work, and usually I try to do this as I'm coming home from work or at the end of the day, and I saw the, our little kids playing outside. They're out shooting their Nerf guns up in the sky, yelling and playing. I'm like, God, thank you. Thank you for these little ones. So, so just these reflections, these times of gratitude. So for those that want know, to know more about this practice, it's called the Prayer of Examine. It's a daily reflective prayer with a few steps, which are up on the screen. So this, the, the website's there, too, for those who want to take notes or jot that down or have the phone if they want to, want to go to the website. You can simply search Prayer of Examine. So it's five steps. Again, not, not long and drawn out, and it simply reminds us that God is with us. To be thankful, to pay attention to how we are feeling, and to look forward to tomorrow. So, so another great uh, gratitude practice that we can do. So, so let's go back to the text. We see in verses 20 to 22, Jesus warning his friends about the upcoming suffering that they're about to experience. And this is what Jesus says. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But her baby is born. She forgets the anguish because of the, her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. So Jesus, again, preparing his friends for what's about to happen. So the main characteristic of joy, the joy that we're talking about today, it has to be secure, <laughs> that this joy be so buoyant that no opposition would be able to destroy it. It's a defiant joy. A joy in the face of difficulties, in the face of waiting, in the face of pain. It's more than a feeling of happiness, but rather a choice to trust that Jesus will fulfill his promise that his friends will, will see him again. So we read about this reunion later on in, in, John's, in John's book in chapter 20. One of his closest friends, Mary Magdalene, comes to the tomb. She goes to the tomb, but she sees the stone that's rolled away. She sees the tomb's empty, but she doesn't know what to do, so she hangs around. She meets a gardener, who she thinks is a gardener, but it's actually Jesus. She sees the gardener, and she says, where did you take the body? And as soon as Jesus says her name, Mary, she rejoices. She yells out, teacher! And then she runs back and goes tells everyone that she has seen Jesus. 
Think, think about that for a minute. Think about those emotions that Mary had. Someone that she thought she had lost. Her grief was turned instantly back into joy when she saw Jesus again. And we can see that exactly what Jesus was talking about when he said, you agree, but your grief will turn to joy. A modern-day church father, Henry Nouwen, he talks about choosing joy. Nouwen's a Catholic priest, was a Catholic priest, professor at Yale, Harvard, writer, theologian, and, and this, this is some of the things that he said about joy. Joy is essential to the spiritual life. Jesus reveals to us God's love so that his joy may become ours and that our joy may be complete. Joy is the experience of knowing that you are unconditionally loved and that nothing, nothing, sickness, failure, emotional distress, oppression, war, or even death can take that love away. Joy is not the same as happiness. We can be unhappy about many things, but joy can still be there because it comes from the knowledge of God's love for us. We're inclined to think that when we are sad, we cannot be glad. But in life of a God-centered person, sorrow and joy can exist together. That's, that isn't easy to understand. But when we think about some of our deepest life experiences, such as be, being present at the birth of a child or the death of a friend, great sorrow, great joy are often seen to be parts of the same experience. Still, nothing happens automatically in a spiritual life. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy, keep choosing joy at every, it, it every day. It is a choice based on the knowledge that we belong to God and have found in God our refuge and our safety that nothing, not even death, can take God away from us. I love that he says joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. It's a choice based on the knowledge that we belong to God. When I reflect back on the times when my joy lost its buoyancy, when it started to sink, I, I think of the times of grief. I think of the times in my life of sorrow, of pain and suffering. I, I don't know where each of you are at today, but I'd imagine there's some here that, that have, those, have those thoughts. And so what I want to do as we end is just simply share a story of, of, of a couple years back. So a couple years back, I, uh, I get a voicemail from my dad um, in the afternoon during, during a work, just a, during a normal work day. And I actually still had it on my phone, so I gave it to Kevin to see if he can play it. Hey, Ben, this is Dad. Can you give me a call and get a chance? Uh, I'll just uh, talk to you then. All right? Thanks. Bye. I, I, uh... Still remember where I was at. I actually had um, two grandmas who weren't doing well, so I called my dad back thinking that it was maybe something happened to my grandmas. But it wasn't. It was my cousin, Nate. Um, he had just died um, unexpectedly from a childhood heart condition that he, was, he had been battling that we thought was under control. His wife um, came home and, uh, from work and, and found him. I, I'm, I'm a visual person, so to give you some just pictures of Nate, this is my, my cousin Nate, his wife Lauren. And so it's always hard to describe the relationship that I had with Nate. He's actually one of our closest friends. That's me and my brothers and cousins. There's, there's seven of us total. I'm the oldest, um, and, and we really have a good time together. We uh, have fun together. We play well together. We may get in trouble together sometimes. Uh, we, we really have a good time. And so uh, one of the things that um, 
Aaron, my wife, said is once she realized that my brothers and cousins were my closest friends, she realized why I always wanted to hang out with them. So, so Nate, Nate was one of my closest friends. So I remember the questions that were racing through my mind after I got my dad's voicemail. Waves of emotions, waves of thoughts, of, and, and none were, were joy. And, and so I, one thing that I want to do is to make sure that when we're talking about joy, I, I don't want you to think that this is a, a joy of turn your frown upside down, of a, of a, of a joy that's just put on a happy face, uh, a joy that you can stuff your emotions, stuff your suffering, stuff your pain. That's, that's not what we're talking about here at all. We have, God gives us um, the, the freedom and encouragement to express our sorrow. One of the things I love is that there's a story in, in, back in John's, God, John's gospel is we look at Jesus' response, at, at, at God's response to when he lost a close friend and, and what do we see? We see him weeping. And, and, and this weeping isn't just like a, like a tear coming down, like it's getting dusty and you just have a tear in your eye. This, is, this, this, this weeping is a all-out sob fest, like on the ground, like face contorting every which way, ones that you, you can't even, so sound's not making up. That, that's the weeping that, that Jesus is talking So I want to make sure that as we're talking about joy, we, it's not like just put on a happy face. And, and since Nate's death, I, I can't tell you, I, I look forward to my grief turning into joy. I, I can't wait to see his wife's grief, his parents' grief, his brother's grief, all of our grief turn to joy. I, I, I can't tell you how much I'm looking for it because it'd be pretty great to hang out all together again. So when we believe that Jesus' love has overcome death itself, joy becomes possible in the darkest times. It's acknowledging the pain while making a choice to trust Jesus that the loss we experience here and now is not final, that what he says he will do, he will do. Our joy is not determined by a current struggle, but rather our future destiny. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, since he has conquered death, those who call on his name will be reunited, that their grief will turn to joy, and man, what a party that will be. This defiant, buoyant joy is a profound decision of faith and hope in the power of Jesus' life and his love. There's going to be a time that our joy is complete, but we all know that our joy is incomplete now. So what do we do while we wait? While we wait, let's hold on to the hope that God, of God's promises, that he will do what he says he will do. Let's hold on to the hope that he says he's coming back, and he will. While we wait, While we wait, let's love everyone around us so deeply because God has loved us first. While we wait, while we wait, let's demonstrate what it's going to look like one day when there's going to be no pain, no sickness, no captivity. We'll be free in joy because we don't know when the day is going to be, but we know that Jesus is coming back. So rather, let's go back to Elf. So rather the, the, the store manager saying, Jesus is coming. I don't know when. I, I don't know when he's coming back. But much, let's, let's have Buddy the Elf's reaction. Let's, 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 when we hear that Jesus is coming back, 
We say, Jesus! He's coming! I, I, I know him! I, I, I know him! I know him! So, let's, let, let's stand. We'll, Antley will we'll, um, we'll lead us into um, the, the next part of worship. And ministry time.